0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, and a big thanks to Kush's Bayou Rouge, who allows us to bring this program your way, commercial free. In business over 16 years here
1: in Tallahassee, tabbed Best of Tallahassee by Tallahassee Magazine, four straight years, Tommy, and six
0: out of the last seven. And i got to set the record straight here, so I married into uh, somebody from New Orleans, Outkick my coverage, as many of us did. It's
1: not about temperature. Is that where you're going?
0: It it is, because I think there's a a misnomer out there that Cajun food means it's hot, and it doesn't. What it means is it's flavorful, and it's doggone good. And trust me, I spent a lot of time, because of said wife, Laura, who is from New Orleans, uh, at Cush's Bayou Rouge. So I encourage you guys to do the same, and uh, they're open seven days a week. Have breakfast uh, Wednesday through Sunday. I get there often with my son, Garrett. You should go as well. Make it a Sunday staple. That's what the uh, FSU football coaching staff has done. matter of fact, Cush's caters for the coaching staff uh, every Sunday during this football season. They break down the tape and get set for uh, the next opponent. So, again, thanks to Cush's. They are on Thomasville Road on the west side just past Cary Force. Now, with that said, here's Front Row Knowles. Seminal Sunday,
2: broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee. This is Front Row Knowles Seminal Sunday with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at CTF.NU. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Good day, Seminoles. Welcome to Front Row Knowles Seminal Sunday. Tom Block and Keith Jones. Florida State gets a win over Duke, seventeen to ten. Keith, in many respects, sort of the same story of what this season has been, and that there were. Yards there, there were points there, there were mistakes made, and in the end, you have a game that comes down to the final possession.
1: Well, the first thing was you had to come up to Durham and leave with a win. Uh, everything else, in in one sense of the word, becomes uh, uh, you know not not important. Uh, I thought the offensive game plan was very well laid out, particularly the first drive. FSU gets points on their first possession, first time they've done that all year. I thought the defense played real well. They still had some breakdowns, particularly in in third-down situations, and they gave up a lot of chunk yardage on a couple of plays. Uh, But I think you've got to be pleased once you look at the numbers and once you get past the irritation of continuing mistakes that need to get rectified, at least the number of those mistakes is uh, diminishing somewhat. Uh, They're getting better uh I know uh, fans will still not be uh, extremely happy with the takeaway but you got the win that was the first thing and you've
0: made some improvement
1: that was the second
0: so Florida State picks up its second win of the year I think you hit the nail on the head though in terms of where the angst will be directed and that is uh, little mistakes yes if you clean them up there's there's 30 plus points out there for you without you know too many heroic plays but This is game five of the season, and some of the mistakes are still being made. But we do have to remember it's game four for a true freshman quarterback. Uh, The running game continues to emerge. The receiving core was depleted, and that'll be the case probably for several weeks to come. The offensive line was banged up going in and got further banged up, so... I'm going to keep falling back on what Jimbo says it is what it is. It is
1: and and uh, you know I think you've got to look at incremental steps and baby steps. You know, we said all along that we had to find a way to get better on third down and defense did that with a couple of exceptions. We needed to continue to run the ball. You had another rusher over 100 yards and, and uh, Patrick was near 100. Uh, that tandem in the backfield is proving to be very good. We said we needed to open the ball up and let uh, Blackman throw the ball a little more, especially early in the in the in the game, and what you had happen was a couple turnovers. Those, That's what's going to happen when you have a a, a fourth-time starting freshman play against the defense that was number two and number three in the country and takeaways from the interception standpoint. He's going to make some mistakes, and and you're going to see him throw some balls you're just going to scratch your head on. That's what happens. Uh, But he continued to throw the ball, ended up finishing the ball game, I believe, 18 for 21. Uh, one of the things interesting about statistics, you and I talk about this all the time, is only one ball that Blackman threw hit the ground. And that was a dropped pass. He was 18 completions, two interceptions, and one drop ball.
0: And the second, yeah, it was a drop ball on a slant pattern to D.J. Matthews. The second interception, he said he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds, got hit. That's why there was no receiver in the area, and obviously the ball didn't make it out of bounds. Uh, the first one was just a mistake. But what happened in the, and we can talk about more of this in the offensive segment, Had a very nice first drive. Picked up the tempo a little bit. Let him throw some. Then drives two, three, and four the first half. Florida State, particularly the second, but all three of them were impacted by penalties that negated an awful lot of forward progress. So you end up... His first interception was in a sequence where they wound up at first and 20, and so you're forcing a throw there, and you just got out of sequence. If you look at what the major problem with Florida State scoring points and moving the ball
1: effectively, uh, it had to do with the self-imposed penalties. And they were penalties that shouldn't have been made. They were holding penalties. They were the types of things that are individual one-on-one types of issues. And as a result of those, those drives stalled. You didn't get points out of them. Uh, You could have very easily put up 24, 30, 31 points against. Duke, it just wasn't meant to be.
0: Let's take a listen to what Coach Jimbo Fisher had to say after the game. Florida State improving to two and three. Jimbo, by the way, this was win number 80 in his 100th game at FSU, so obviously an 80% win clip for Jimbo. Haven't seen that this year, but that's what he's done since his uh, time at Florida State. His comments after the game last night, uh, and this is courtesy of
3: Seminoles.com. Proud of our team. Our team has a lot of guts. It fights, it scratches, it claws. Uh, it's finding ways. It's not always the right way. Again, at times played extremely well for long periods of time today, and then would have an opportunity, a holding call, or a just a, a, something that would just set a drive back. And and again, the way they play, you know, you move the ball. They they eat time, and you eat time on your drives. Like we had the ball four possession. We had a great what seven, eight minute drive the first one, something like that. Then the next one is awesome, and we get a holding call, get a second twenty, get a second eleven. And then uh, on third down, said just, he's got the pressure and his scramble or throw it away, tried to make a play. He had three incompletions on the day, enforcing two of his interceptions. One he was trying to throw away, and got hit. The other one he made a mistake, and the other one was a drop. Uh, but Jay Black, you know, he's getting better. He, he, the plays he made on third down on that last drive that we scored where the th- the one to Nooney on the blitz read, it broke it off and snapped it off. And the one he hit his on third down with big-time plays. Uh, I thought the backs, I thought Jacquez, man, Jacquez ran hard. Jacquez and Cam both are, are running the football very hard. We've got to find ways to get that ball in the end zone. Nooney had a good day. We had a penalty on a big play right before half. It's a 40-yard gain down in there that we have two guys on the ball. And actually, Nooney was supposed to be on the ball. It was some and one of the inside the inside guys were supposed to be off. And they both and they and he thought he was, he just they didn 't think he was so I made a call I and mean, that's something but something we got to get cleaned up that cost us points right there that could have been a touchdown drive or something down there that we made uh, defense we gave up the, the one big play on third and seventeen which was very critical uh, but what happened on it was we had coverage when we'd lost contain when you lose contain on the outside and don't make that ball come out in the zone you've got to you know and then they scrambled and broke on a scramble rule and we got to make that ball come out and we got to stay locked on our guys for the whole play but I know again learning how to win learning how to play uh, it's still a really good football team in here to keep playing because we're doing some really good things at times. We had a critical hold, too. Another one I forgot about. We had one we broke a run with about four minutes to go. We're at midfield and driving. About Jacquez made a, like 15, 20, 30-yard run, something like that. And we got the ball going to eat the clock up right there. And uh, now we got an unfortunate hold. We, I think we had three. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to – I wish I had the drive chart. Is it Would that have been three unfortunate ones right there that, that hurt us in the right situation. We just couldn't make it up. And uh, but our kicking game was really good today. I thought Logan was huge on today. I thought the punt, he got off coming out of the end zone, changed field position two or three times. I mean, there's a lot of really good guys. It's close. And we as coaches got to keep grinding it out, finding ways to do it. If we could have got that last first down, we ended up getting that crack on the screen and we just missed it. And we get the back in the flat. I mean, it's so close. It's, it's sometimes for us right now, as players and coaches, you're, you're, it's not frustrated, but just because you're right. I mean, it is right there to start playing like we're capable of playing. And, but we've got to go back and work. But, again, find a way to win on the road is huge. And our defense made a critical stop when we had to make it. There's a lot of character on this team. The coaches coach the tail out of them. And we'll keep coaching them better, put them in better position, and we'll get better next week. we got to go play a great Louisville team.
0: So Jimbo Fisher's comments uh, after the game, and it's, it's similar. You know uh, when I get a chance to talk to him, when you do as well, when he talks to the media on Mondays, he says a lot of things that people get tired of hearing in that we're close, we're close. But uh, they legitimately are. There was a couple holding calls. The the ineligible receiver downfield was not on Nooney Murray. It was on a tight end lining up wrong. Nooney was asked to adjust at one point, so it may have looked like it was his fault negating his own catch. But those kind of mistakes make a difference because this team is not good enough to overcome first and 20s.
1: Very much so. On the defensive side, you had the one long pass, 55, 57-yard completion, where the safety on a scramble... Just let somebody get behind them. That's, that's a one-on-one thing. That's not a scheme thing. That's not a coach thing. That's a player thing. You've just got to pay attention to those types of issues and react to them accordingly. So the corrections are, again, as you and I like to talk about, the corrections are from the neck up, uh, from the shoulder up. They're things that can be easily fixed. But Florida State continues to make some
0: of them, and that's why they're continuing to struggle, although this time in a victory. I don't want to make too much out of this. It was a win over a Duke team that Florida State – significantly has better talent than that said this is a team when I watch them play they lack confidence they're not trusting that if they do their job they'll get a good result or there's there's just it's not the same as if you play with the confidence that comes from getting a win so I'm wondering just just one win how much of a difference can that make oh I think it'll make a huge difference remember after
1: the game last week against Miami what was Jimbo's message to the ball club keep your heads up Keep fighting. we've got plenty to play for. He was worried about this club. Quitting's not the right word. It's, it's playing scared, playing without confidence. And you saw that for a good part of this ball game. A win, a victory, takes care of that. and, and maybe one win doesn't take care of all of it, but it' will go a long, long way to taking care of most of it, I would think. And you'll see a much different ball club come out against Louisville, would be in my opinion.
0: We will spend another couple segments. Uh, We'll break down the offense and the defense, but we don't really have a segment where we typically talk about special teams. So in light of the performance from Logan Tyler here and in light of the fact that he's been criticized uh, early in his career and even earlier this season, I think we need to point out the obvious, that he's been pretty consistent lately, and he had some big kicks. His career-long kick came in the fourth quarter. You talk about flipping a field. He punted from the 19-yard line, and it wound up at the other 18, which Duke didn't score on that drive.
1: Very much so. Uh, He's been a very pleasant surprise, particularly for how poorly uh, he was performing early on. And, again, hats off to him and continuing that theme. I think we have to be fair to Ricky. As well, he's made nine consecutive field goals to have Aguayo, uh, so you can learn to rely on him a little bit. Uh, The kicking game continues to improve. You and I have issues, uh, particularly with the punt return team. I think a change needs to be made there. I'll just go on the record and tell you that. McFadden's not getting it done in the punt return. Somebody else has got to be tabbed to look at that. Coverages were good, but as you mentioned, the punting and, and, and the place kicking in particular were very good.
0: Well, so let's finish up both those. First of all, on the Logan Tyler side, four punts, averaged 52 yards, had his career long of 61, put three inside the 20. Uh, one was a touchback, but two of those punts were in the fourth quarter, one the 61-yarder. The next one was a 44-yarder, I think his shortest punt of the day, but that was in a situation where Duke was selling out and he had to get the ball off. And he looks more comfortable and confident now, and, and we'll hear from Logan a little bit later on in this program. As for McFadden, you and I have been on the same page on this. He put another one on the ground, or he bobbled it. Bobble. So that's two that he hasn't caught cleanly of the ones he's tried to to catch in five games now, uh, but the, the one it, more hit the ground. Two hit the ground. One I didn't think was his fault. Right. One definitely was. It bounced it around the was it the twenty yard line and wound up at the six. About the eighteen and got inside almost inside the five. You just can't let that happen. He he for whatever reason is not comfortable back there. Uh, he needs to be replaced. I I, could, I would concur we're not at practice to know who the best uh, player to turn to would be, but it does feel like we're five games in and you're not getting a good enough result there. Even if you don't return for a single positive yard, stand there and catch it because the negative yards, the hidden yardage that Florida State has lost on those mistakes is huge this year. It's killing you, and it, it, it so affects Jimbo,
1: whether he would admit it or not, it affects his play calling. If that ball is on the 18 or the 19-yard line, Jimbo's calling plays a whole lot different than if the ball's on the six. For one reason, he's annoyed because nobody came up and caught the ball. Number two, he's worried about being backed up, turning the ball over, giving an opponent a short field or even a pick six or a fumble return for a touchdown.
0: This is Front Row Nol Seminole Sunday. It is brought to you in part by Koosh and uh, I invite you to head on down to Coosh's. We've told you about their brunch Wednesday through Sunday. It's located on Thomasville Road, just past Cary Forest, on the uh, left-hand side of the street. It is uh, Cajun food, which doesn't mean spicy; it means good, and it's uh, not just Cajun. You can get anything you can get, uh, uh, you know, burgers, chicken sandwiches. Well, if you breakfast. don't want, if you don't want to go, Po' Boys. Like I said, the brunch is very good.
1: To get breakfast. got to go. Gotta go for breakfast Wednesday through Sunday.
0: There you go that's that's my wife's favorite meal too so she's she uh, partakes of the brunch at Kues uh, I can assure you but we appreciate them sponsoring the show and I uh, don't forget they're opening soon in College town we'll step aside come back with uh, more we're just getting started here on front row Knowles Seminole Sunday
2: front row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo Georgia get your best deal the Hobson way now back to Tom and Keith. Tom and Keith back with
0: you on Front Row Knolls Seminole Sunday. Let's talk some offense here, KJ. The running game is really turning into a pretty good one-two punch with guys that complement each other. Uh, So let's start there, and then we'll work our way through Blackman's play and uh, some of the issues they continue to have offensively.
1: Well, the thing that impressed me most was that that Jimbo really mixed up the running game. uh, Specifically in the first series, he ran Blackman a couple of times. On some run-pass options, or at least some look like some some read type stuff we hadn't seen before. Uh, also got him outside of the pocket. We've talked about that, and we'll develop it more on the passing game. But but you really saw Patrick and Acres, uh, and even Rasul. You know, really running hard and really wanting to work that that running game. Uh, Both backs got, uh, Akers got over 1,000, 100 yards, and Patrick was right at 100 yards for the second consecutive game. Uh, But I really like the the authority with which they ran, and there was no indecision. You know, we have been criticizing, uh, because of his youth, uh, Cam, because he'd run too much uh, east-west and not north-south. But in particular, Patrick was really, really tough in short yardage this game and uh, it was very impressive. I mean, uh, I'm a defensive guy. I like low-scoring games where, you know, offenses really have to work for it. You know, players really have to gut it out. And on the offensive side for Florida State, you look at the 425 yards and say, wow, must have been an easy contest. No, it wasn't. It was tough, and the backs ran really, really hard.
0: You know, they complement each other well, but having said that, it's not like one is a bruiser and one is a scat back. I mean, because Cam Akers is physical.
1: Very much so, and, and I think that's just catching some people uh, a little bit off guard. Uh, there were a couple plays where he delivered the blow to uh, some defensive backs from Duke that uh, are not going to like watching that tape uh, when they go back and review their performance. Uh, you know, you think of him as a scat back and a speedster, but he'll put that shoulder down. He'll lower that, uh, that frame, and he'll get into you. He'll explode into you and not just take the punishment. He'll deliver some of it.
0: Let's talk about, uh, we'll get to the passing game uh, in a little bit and we'll hear from Alec Eberly momentarily, but Jimbo went uh, tempo, they didn't huddle the first drive of the game and they wound up eating up six and a half minutes, went uh, the length of the field, got a touchdown in the first quarter for the first time this year, uh, also on an opening drive for the first time this year. But then we didn't see that again. Did that surprise you at all or what did you see from that sort of wrinkle because it was a really good well-scripted series.
1: It, it was, but you you go back and you look at Duke and you know they're known to be a little bit more up tempo, but when you look at the final stats, Duke ran 62 plays, Florida State ran 61. So uh, that tempo process You know, Florida State's a little quicker than most people give them credit for. They just don't get to the line in order to call the play. They actually huddle, but then they get out of it pretty quickly and and get upfield. It was a relatively short game. You and I commented on that. It was like two hours and 57 minutes uh, because both teams ran the ball pretty effectively uh, at certain times. Therefore, the clock was running a lot. Uh, But particularly in the first drive, I think Jimbo did want to mix it up a little bit. They did go a little faster, and I think they fed off of that, and as you said, scored a touchdown for the first time on the opening drive of a game.
0: Yeah, so maybe something that we'll see, uh, you know, a time or two uh, or a possession or two a game going forward. You know, after that, they continued to move the ball, but they had three more possessions in the first half. The second possession, they moved it to the Duke 21, got a hold on Rick Leonard. That wound up leading to an interception ultimately. Uh, The third series was derailed by a holding that put them behind the chains. The fourth series, they had a huge pass to Nooney Murray, but there was an ineligible receiver downfield. Uh, that was not on Nooney. That was on uh, the tight end. I think it was on Izzo, uh, was who was not lined up correctly. But the point being, they're shooting themselves in their foot. They're averaging seven yards a play for the game, but that's three drives where you get no points.
1: Well, the other thing for those fans that you know, are calling for everyone's scalp, uh, that's not scheme and that's not play call. Uh, that's individuals making mistakes. Uh, holding calls on you. Lining up wrong is on you uh... and as a result uh... they did shoot themselves in the foot and the other thing is we we had been talking you and i during the week that uh, maybe jimbo ought to open it up a little bit at least earlier let blackman throw the ball downfield well he did and we saw what can come of that not a criticism he threw the two picks but he was also eighteen of twenty one in the contest and and I like the fact that Jimbo opened it up a little bit and, and put a little more on his shoulders and wanted him to throw the ball down the field a little bit. He's very capable of doing that. In fact, uh, Coach Cutcliffe, after the game, had a comment, which I thought was unbelievably surprising. Cutcliffe, the kind of the ghost whisperer of quarterbacks with the, Peyton Manning and his, and his brother and others that he's developed, he basically said that Blackman throws the ball better than Francois and that he was very impressed with the freshman for Florida State. And I was very impressed with Jimbo opening up a little bit and throwing the ball downfield. Yep, he had the two picks, but he was also 18 of 21.
0: Yeah, and so the one ball that hit the ground was a drop on a slant uh, to D.J. Matthews. Uh, Probably threw it a tad too early, but anyway, 18 of 21, those numbers are good. The two picks, the second one, he said he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds or throw it away, and he got hit. Uh, The first one, I didn't get a chance to get clarification on it, he and Nooney were not on the same page, and I don't know who was right and who was wrong in that scenario. But that's why the pass looked that off. Quarterback threw—I uh, don't remember if it was inside and the receiver went outside or vice versa—but they mixed it up. It—it it, it was a bust.
1: Um, Nooney went inside. He threw the ball outside. It was a great catch, by the way, with the DB. Had to actually go to review and and see if it hit the ground. Uh, But but that's okay. I'm okay with that. That's a freshman quarterback. He'll learn from those mistakes. He won't make them again uh, because he's that type of a a student of the game. And I like the fact that Jimbo put him out there and and
0: exposed him to it. I thought he responded very, very well. The offensive line had to shuffle some parts and pieces because – Dickerson was not in. He's now out for the season. Derek Kelly went down late. Uh, Nevertheless, they seem to have found an identity here of of running the ball the last couple of weeks. I had a chance to chat with Alec Eberly after the game about the team's performance, the O-line, and how they had to shuffle those parts around, and here's that uh, conversation with Alec. Alec, that was uh, a a game that came down to the wire, but you've played a few of those, but uh, coming out on top obviously makes a difference, and uh, it's Duke, but it's a win, and I know that feels good for you guys right now.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was great out there. Uh, You know, Coach Fisher talked to us. He said the season starts now. This is a new season for us, a new start. Just got to go out there and show this country and show what we're made of, and really to show ourselves and our team what we're made of, because that's what it's all about.
0: Offensive line has uh, had to shuffle some parts around. I mean, Derek Kelly went down late, but you came in this one without landing. So, uh, you know, I know you've played some really tough defensive fronts, but kind of assess how the line played today in light of the fact you had to move some people around.
4: Well, you know, it's always that phrase that comes into play when someone goes down is next man up. And I feel like we've done a good job, you know, with coming in and molding together a new front on the run. And I think we rushed for over 200 yards and I uh, we rushed over 200 yards and passed for just about 200 yards. And so anytime you can do that as an offense, I think it's pretty impressive. You know, the quarterback's getting his job done, the receiver's getting his job done, and the offensive line, you know, blocking the job done now. With their plays left out there, 100%. There's still stuff we need to work on as an offensive line, um, you know, picking up certain things. But as, as a whole, I think we got better uh, today. I think we just need to keep on getting better from here.
0: Cam Akers obviously had the long touchdown run, but this is three weeks in a row where a true freshman quarterback in James Blackman has engineered uh, a scoring drive, not just himself, but he obviously has some sort of uh, it factor to him there. Uh, just kind of walk us through what his presence is like in those situations.
4: Well, ever since I met James Blackman um, over the summer, I knew that it was going to be something special. I told him when I met him, I said, look, I want you, you need to stay focused, you know, just keep being the player. Your time's going to come, keep working, keep working, keep working. And his time did come and the same thing I told him I said look you're special just keep keep rocking and rolling don't you know mess up and just keep doing your thing and you know it's gonna be crazy how good of a player you can become and how you can lead this offense and there definitely is something about him where he leads the guys he's got something about his voice and he just I mean he has fun with it too you know and have a guy out there having fun and just really urge he's, he, he urges for success he really wants to be great and he wants the team to be great and it's great to be around that atmosphere
0: congratulations on the win Thank you so much. Alec Eberly, Florida State's center and uh, one of the real vocal leaders on this FSU team, team leader. Uh, I said before that interview, Keith, it seems like the identity here is uh, developing into Patrick and Akers and running the ball, but really it's two weeks in a row where when you look at the final stats, the numbers are almost dead even in terms of passing and running.
1: Very balanced, very balanced. And obviously Bill will tell you that's one of the goals. Uh, you you. What dictates whether you can be balanced is field position, score, that type of thing. Uh, it was just It was an interesting ball game from the standpoint that that you had very few possessions in this contest because of the way the clock was running, so it was a premium on making sure you got points on every drive, and at least in the first half didn 't score a lot, but they got down in the red zone into, at least into the Duke territory and if not but for the individual mistakes, Florida State certainly could have had fourteen or twenty one points on the board.
0: Third straight week that Florida State has gotten a key drive when they needed it in the fourth quarter uh, to to win a ball game for the second time in three weeks. And James Blackman, if you think back to that drive, Keith, so they had a third down, Duke blitzes, and it's a hot route, side adjust, and he hits Nooney Murray on like a four or five yard out, turns into a 12-yard pattern for first down. Then, and I think it was another third down, but it was certainly in the same drive, he hits Ryan Izzo uh, up the middle. Cam Akers ultimately gets his first touchdown on a 42-yard run to to what proved to be the winning touchdown. But but Blackman is in control and in command and really focused and dialed in in those situations.
1: Uh, it, for a freshman, even more remarkable. We, we commented on the fact that against Miami – he was uh, 9 of 10 in the fourth quarter for two touchdowns. Don't know the exact fourth quarter numbers for him on this one, but you're exactly right. In those third down situations where they needed to have yardage, uh, he performed uh, very impressive on that, on that hot route where they had to make the adjustment. And then the ball he threw to Izzo, there was a lot of traffic and he threw that ball, in the only window that was open, and Izzo made a great catch on it. And, 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 and truly, it was, a, it was a quarterback and a receiver on the same page when they needed to be. And then, of course, Cam
0: breaking out on that big run from 42 yards out kind of just sealed the deal. Florida State wins at 17-10. We're halfway home here on Front Row and Old Seminole Sunday. We'll talk about the defense when we continue. Stay with us.
2: Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles, Seminole Sunday, with Tom Block and Keith Jones, brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith.
0: Florida State 17, Duke 10, and uh, don't uh, don't walk away from the TV. Or the radio uh, in the fourth quarter of Florida State games. here the way it's going this year. I mean, uh, you go back to the NC State game, FSU had a chance late. The Wake Forest game comes down to a touchdown in the last couple minutes. The Miami game is the last possession of the game. Yesterday, last possession of the game, Duke's thrown in the end zone. Uh, the good news is, uh, and I know it was Duke, but Florida State's defense, and there was a, an obvious bust on a big third down play, but they allow 10 points, and they do make the plays at the end to win it.
1: You know, you have to grade them on the on the whole. Uh, yeah, there were some continued third down issues. Uh, you mentioned the big play, which was uh, when uh, the quarterback got out, was rolling around, and and a safety just basically lost fundamentals. He let somebody get behind him. Uh, That, again, is an individual thing. That's not a call. That's not a scheme problem. So that's not a coach's issue. That's an individual not doing what he's supposed to do and knows he's supposed to do. But I thought overall the defense played well. They certainly set the tempo in the first quarter. Uh, They were very aggressive. Uh, I thought Derwin James had one of his better games in terms of making some plays, particularly in the open field. Uh, you know, they were without Trey Marshall, which means you've got to play Derwin back in the safety position more than maybe Coach Kelly would like to. Can't walk him up near the line of scrimmage near as much as would be the case uh, if Trey was back there. Uh, but overall, they played well. I think uh, they made up for the fact that Jacob Pugh wasn't there. Uh, Sweat had at least one sack and a couple of hurries in terms of getting pressure. Uh, linebackers, Matthew Thomas had a great play out in the open field. Uh, late in the ball game. Um, I mean, I think you got to say this club defensively played very well, despite all the critics and the things that people would like to say uh, about their past performance.
0: Well, the, the, the problem that we talked about before the game is one that reared its ugly head again, and that is getting off the field. Uh, not every third down. You're going to allow some third downs. But there's certain spots in the game when you have to get off the field. And when it's third and 17 and you give up a 57-yarder and what becomes Duke's only touchdown drive – there, there's some, I realize that was one individual mistake. I don't know if it's uh, you know, what Jimbo would term an eye violation or trying to do somebody else's job instead of your job, but those are the things that have got to get fixed.
1: They do have to get fixed. Of course, those are the things that are most glaring, and, and, and fans look at that and say, that just can't be, how can that be? But it does happen. Uh, but there are also things, Tommy, that are very easily correctable. You and I talk all the time. Our, our listeners get tired of us saying, You know, it's above the shoulders. Uh, You can fix things above the shoulders easily. That's just focus and concentration. We saw the offense do some good things in terms of improvement. Uh, We were seeing the defense begin the process of doing some good things. But I'm going to give the kids credit. They played hard. Uh, They made some plays when they needed to. They kept Duke to 10 points. Uh, I'm going to take my hat off to them and say,
0: well done. We need to point out that if the offense was being more productive, there wouldn't be such pressure on the defense. Uh, All three of these these last three weeks, if the offense cashes in a little more in the red zone, scores a little more points, which to be fair, they have always done under Jimbo. He's never had a season where the team averaged less than 30 points per game. This year's team is averaging 18 points per game. So if you put this FSU team in the 30-point range, well, guess what? You're not sweating it out against Wake Forest. You're not sweating it out against Duke. Miami doesn't have a chance on the last drive. So it goes hand in hand. Uh, I'm not excusing anything defensively, but that does play into it. The better, not the better example, you explained it well, but an example
1: would be during the national championship game. You would look up in the fourth, excuse me, the first quarter, sometimes in the second quarter. You mean the, not the game, the, the season. Season, thank you, season. Games during the national championship season. You'd look up and Florida State would be up 21 nothing, 28 nothing. In one case, 35 nothing in the first quarter. Well, that makes the entire rest of the game truly one-dimensional for the other team. They have to throw the ball. Well, when you know an opponent is going to throw the ball, you can do some things to try to take that away from them, and you can make yourself look good, and you can pad your statistics. When you're in ball games where it is 10 to seven going into the fourth quarter. That opponent has every weapon in their arsenal. Any play they want to run at any time they want to do it, and you're playing hard defense for a full four quarters, you're going to
0: make some mistakes. Let's talk about Josh Sweat for a second. I feel like he has started to play uh, uh, at the level we we expected when he was recruited, and to be fair, he came in after a horrific knee injury that really took his first year to get through. And even last year, I mean, there was the issue with uh, Izzy Loafing, uh, what have you, but I, I think he's started to put it together. He
1: really has, and in the last couple of games, he's been able to get pressure on the quarterback without Blitz help. They've been rushing four, and he has just been flat-out beating a, an offensive tackle to get to the quarterback. Had one sack in the ball game against Duke, had at least one hurry that I know of, and might have had more once the tape gets graded. Uh, the other thing the defensive front has done is when they get their penetration and they see the quarterback rear back in his rowing motion, they've been able to get their hands up. There were three or four balls that were batted at the line of scrimmage during the Duke game. That is a tremendous help to your defensive secondary.
0: And DeMarcus Christmas continues to play well. He batted some of those balls. The one drive in the first half where Duke moved the ball on the ground, uh, when I looked up, it was at least the twos in there on the defensive line, especially in the middle. might have been the threes. Doesn't excuse it, but that's sort of where Duke got about probably half of its rushing yards in that one series.
1: Well, I, I got on the headset to both William and to, to Gene and told them, You know, the twos are in there. Pay attention. The twos are in there. And that's when Duke had some of their success. But in order to play defense for 60 minutes, you've got to rest your first team a little bit. You've got to get those second-teamers some playing time. And Charles Kelly was doing just that.
0: All right, let's talk about a guy. He doesn't fit uh, squarely into defense. But uh, he was a big weapon for Florida State yesterday. I'm talking about the punter, Logan Tyler, who has uh, drawn criticism as a freshman. He was inconsistent even earlier this year. Uh, at at times he's mishit a kick. Last year it was more magnified when he would kick the wrong direction or not square him up. But this looks like a guy who's sort of coming into his own. And when you look what he did yesterday in the fourth quarter, K.J., a career-long 61-yard punt that takes the ball from the 20 to the, I think, the 18 the other way or something like that, the 19, I guess, if I do the math right in my head. He completely flipped the field. Then he got one off under duress after that that was 44 yards. Just a big, big day.
1: Maybe the bigger statistic that you look at when you look at the quickie stat sheet his punt returns for Duke, there were none. No, none of those balls were returned, not because they were kicked out of bounds and got a, you know a short kick, because every one of them were high and every one of them were deep, and they were either touchdowns, or touchbacks, touched by the Florida State defender, or fair caught. No returns.
0: Yeah, that's really, and he averaged over 50 yards on his four punts. So Logan Tyler, uh, again, very key for Florida State. So key, in fact, that I talked to him after the game to address uh, the fact that he's, that he's getting more comfortable as a punter. Here's what Logan had to say. I'm here with Logan Tyler, who was uh, one of the heroes for Florida State, a career-long 61-yard punt, and that came at a pretty big spot in the game. So just walk us through that situation. You knew first you got to get the thing off, but uh, then you want to hit it good.
5: Yeah, um, I definitely wouldn't say that the word to use is hero. Uh, I definitely, I, I just went out there and did my job, just like everybody else uh, on every play. Um, and you know, I, I just just went out there and tried to hit it sweet and put myself in a spot mentally where um, I didn't have any pressure on myself. I knew and uh, trusted in everybody else uh, around me that they're going to do their jobs and protect. And the snap was going to be great, like it was. Um, and you know, luckily I'm the one back there catching and getting it off
0: four punch today a couple of them in the fourth quarter there and uh that that last one I think was 44 yards you wind up with a 52 yard average you put three inside the 20
5: you obviously are, are connecting well what's what's changed for you here in the last few weeks uh just mentally just slowing the game down really and just taking it step by step not getting too ahead of myself um and you know I'm, I'm a really big competitor I love to win um but really just focusing on my job and not necessarily uh letting myself get too emotionally invested in the game kind of distancing myself from that and getting too uh, hyped up and getting too high and too low with the game and just kind of staying nice even keel and just kind of mellow and just relaxed and calm and uh, not really getting into the fiery you know get pumped up and then you know the the, the ebb and the flow of the game just kind of staying nice nice and even keel and calm
0: for our listeners sake how long have you been punting? Because it's my understanding that you weren't a punter all through high school. You may have punted, but that wasn't your primary position. This has really been the first two years that this is what you've worked at.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've, I've been punting since I was in third grade, um, uh, third or fourth grade. And, you know, I've always been, uh, I, I grew up playing soccer, and so I, I've always punted as well as kicked uh, when playing football, and i played a lot of other positions too. But, uh, you know, my last year was really my first year of being a, a punter, and it, there's, there's a difference between being a punter and being a kicker who can punt. And uh, last year, I was really just a kicker who could punt, um, and you know, in the off season and in the spring, and then kind of eventually to the spring game and in the summer, I made that transition from being a kicker who could punt to being a punter, kind of being, being a craftsman, um, focusing on my craft, loving the art of it, uh, and just kind of just falling in love with it as well as you know, maintaining my love of kicking.
0: Well, congratulations on the effort day today, and congratulations on the win. Thank you. Appreciate it. Go Nols. All in all, very good day. Such a good day, in fact, that KJ, we're going to give him some honors. (laughs) We're going to make him the prime
1: Meridian Bank performance of the game. Logan Tyler, as you mentioned, we had four kicks, averaged 52 yards, a long of 61. Three of them were downed inside the 20, and Logan Tyler is our prime Meridian Bank performer of the game. Shopping for a home mortgage? Try my bank for the best rate the first time. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number 383620. Prime Meridian Bank.
0: Congratulations to Logan on a great effort yesterday's Florida State wins. Okay, we will turn the page, talk a little bit about the Louisville team that's coming to town. Florida State ought to have some payback in mind uh, after what happened last year. We'll discuss when Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday rolls
2: on. Front Row Knowles Seminole Sunday is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith.
0: So FSU is 2-3, and three. Uh, you don't feel great about it, but you certainly feel better than 1-4, and, and they've got a chance to get even this week in terms of record and uh, maybe a little bit even in terms of settling the score with Louisville. And, you know, normally payback, revenge, those sorts of things, and I know you talk about this a lot, they don't really work per se if that's your motivation, but given the circumstances last year, Keith, it really feels like just, just forcing the team to watch some of that tape and that effort from last year ought to be enough to dial them in and get them focused this week.
1: Uh, revenge is, is short lived. Uh, it's kind of like jealousy. It, it's not a real good human emotion and it might motivate to do some things, but it'll ultimately get you in trouble. Revenge will sometimes make you try to do more than you should and get you out of place, get you out of sorts. Certainly. I like to use the term disappointment. Uh, when you're disappointed in something and you have an opportunity to rectify that or to go through a similar situation and redo, uh, you generally have a tendency to be very sustained and very focused. Our listeners have heard me say before, I'll repeat again, In uh, 1978 we traveled to uh, Mississippi State. Uh, we're playing the Bulldogs in, in, in Mississippi, and we're up uh, 21-14 at halftime. We're winning the game away on the road. We ended up losing that game 55-27. We gave up 44 points in the second half. Now you go back and look at the Louisville game, Last year, 2016, Florida State gives up 63 points in the ball game to Louisville. That sits in your crawl. It sat in our crawl to the point that in 79 and 80, we had two of the greatest defenses Florida State's had, including leading the country in points allowed in 1980 at 7.6 points a ballgame. Uh, we We weren't out for revenge, we were so disappointed we wanted to make sure that that never happened again and I think this Florida State team will be focused. It's a Louisville team that's struggling as well, they've got their own issues. They will be hungry coming into dote Campbell uh, they've not had the year that they expected to have with the returning Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, they'll be ready to play, and Florida State will have their hands full. Uh, in fact, it's probably a game that Florida is probably even Florida, don't be surprised if Florida State is even an underdog a little bit, even on their home field, uh, because Louisville has been explosive offensively. Uh, they've just not been able to contain people. They've not been able to control people on the scoreboard. Uh, And Florida State has struggled to put points on the scoreboard. So it'll be a very, I think, entertaining and and very uh, enthusiastic type of ball game, And there'll be a lot of the nation looking at it because it's two teams that they know are talented. Both of these squads, very talented. But the one loss record is less than the folks thought was going to be the case
0: when the seasons began. So it'll bear a lot of interest. That's exactly where I was going next in terms of the one-loss record. And I don't know Louisville's overall record, but they lost to Boston College yesterday. They've lost to NC State and Clemson. So they've lost three games within the Atlantic Division. Florida State, meanwhile, was preseason number three, is sitting at two and three right now. And as you look around the ACC, so BC wins that game. Syracuse beats Clemson. Georgia Tech almost beats Miami, who's the lone unbeaten. The Canes win at 25-24. Virginia is now 5-1. and one and NC State's probably the best of the bunch in the ACC right now, and they were tied at 14 apiece with Pitt yesterday, who's not the best of the bunch. The point I'm trying to make here is uh, this is a really, really good and deep league. Now, with Clemson's loss, NC State's going to have to win out. That, that margin for error is reduced for Clemson, so I don't know what it means long-term for the, for the college football playoff for the league this year, but it's a very deep league.
1: In a, in a season when everybody was focused on Florida State and Clemson, and maybe a little bit on Louisville and Miami. We have seen some other teams raise up and prove that from from 1 to 15, when you throw Notre Dame in there, the the ACC is probably the most balanced conference. And on any given Saturday or Thursday night or Friday night, if you happen to be playing on those days, uh, this is a league that you are not prepared for. You go to a ball game and don't perform, you're going to get beat. Doesn't matter who you are playing.
0: Well, you go back and look at the coaching hires from a year ago in the ACC, like Fuentes at Virginia Tech, who I didn't even mention, and the Coastal will probably come down to that Virginia Tech-Miami game later this year. But Bronco Mendenhall, who didn't have a great first year, he's got the Cavs doing well. Mark Richt, uh, you know, wins a game despite a decision yesterday to onside kick to start the second half, and it completely backfires. Uh, When those coaches came into the league, just as the league was sort of peaking uh, compared to where it had been historically, I mean, it just took it even higher. Well, I go back
1: in our game against Duke. You know, Duke is a team that that cut cliff over the last five years, has more wins over that five-year period than Duke had ever had in any five-year period in their history. And yet they were still middle of the pack of the ACC. But you and I were sitting up in the press box, and we looked to our right, and we see the three-practice field. We looked a little bit over to our left. We see their brand-new operations center. We looked up over the back of the opposite side of the, of the stadium, our newly renovated Wallace Wade Stadium, I might add, and we see their indoor practice facility. They have all of the components that everybody has. It's not like they're doing without. And as a result, every team in the league now has the components and, and the infrastructure to be good. And every team now has a head coach that is, is not just average, is not just good, but in their own little way are great at some of the things that they do. Uh, this is a far different ACC than it was when Jimbo came in as a head coach, certainly a far different league than when Florida State came in in 1992.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, those days are long since gone, so it's, it's been interesting to watch. But for Louisville and FSU to be uh, a 12-noon game and both that far down the, the rungs of the ACC – Nobody would have saw that coming in. Now, this Louisville team, and uh, to be fair, I have not watched them a ton. I did watch uh, some of their game against Clemson and NC State, but it uh, appears to be shaping up as Lamar Jackson and not a lot else. Now, Lamar Jackson is good enough to win a lot of games by himself, so that's the problem. And remember, Florida State struggled with him last year. Struggled
1: with the tempo, couldn't get uh, players on and off the field, couldn't get in and out of defensive sets uh, when Louisville would convert could not contain him, uh, uh, LaMarcus, uh, uh, excuse me, Thomas. Uh, He's such a dynamic player. You've got to find ways to spend time to put attention on him. I don't know if that means you go spy and you have someone always trailing him. I don't know if you go all zone and make him beat you throwing the ball down the field. I don't know if you go all blitz and force him to use his athleticness. Uh, I I think you got to do a little bit of everything. And Florida State tried that early on in the game last year, and nothing worked. Uh, So there's a huge hill ahead. The other part of it is you know regardless of how good your defense plays, Louisville's probably going to score 21-28 points. Florida State hasn't scored more than 20 points in a ball game this year. I mean, the offense just...
0: 26 against Wake.
1: I'm sorry, yes, 26 against Wake. But they just haven't put points up. The 20 I was thinking of was the average of the 18. You confused me with numbers again. But the point being, you've got to put points on the board because Louisville's going to get theirs. How does that dynamic work out, and how is that ebb and flow?
0: Well, that plays perhaps into the conversation that's been, been out there about you know, should Jimbo go for it more on fourth down, that sort of thing? I think next week you got to find a way to be aggressive. Maybe it's a fake punt. Maybe it's something, Maybe it's going for it on fourth down. Maybe it's skipping a field goal to go for a touchdown if you're fourth and one at the seventeen. Something like that, it, because if you're convinced that Louisville's going to score 30 to 35 points, which is what they do, you better find a way to get there too.
1: Well, we saw a double reverse against
0: Duke, so at least we saw a glimmer of some of that wide open stuff. We'll just have to wait and see. To the point about last year, uh, and we'll talk more about this on Wednesday. Let's remember that last year when FSU played Louisville, Derwin James was out. Josh Sweat got hurt two days beforehand, gave it a go, but was, was not himself. And Derek Nott, played but had a terribly sprained ankle and was not effective either. So to me, where you have to neutralize this Louisville team, it starts at the line of scrimmage, and Florida State's front four has been pretty good. They really have. And then then the safety has to fill on Lamar Jackson.
1: The the front four for Florida State, the two defensive ends, the two defensive tackles, uh, have been uh, very good. Naughty and Christmas and Pugh and Burns, along with, with obviously, uh, Sweat. sweat. Uh, I mean, they have just played really, really consistent and really, really well. They will have to up that. They will have to continue
0: that and up that a little bit against this Louisville club. Kickoff at 12 noon on Saturday at Doe Campbell Stadium. I'll remind you that uh, we thank Cush's for bringing this program your way each and every Sunday. Cush's Bayou Rouge is out on uh, Thomasville Road just past Cary Forest on the left-hand side. They are uh, kid-friendly, great food, great atmosphere, brunch five days a week. They're open seven days a week. They've got TVs in there if you want to uh, watch some of the uh, Sunday football games as well, and they're opening soon in College Town. So we thank them for their support of this program. We thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And, Keith, you and I, we'll see each other again on Wednesday. Wednesday. We'll see what we can come up with. I hope. Uh, I wonder if Casey Kasem will hold up again. I, I, there's not going to be a Casey Kasem repeat performance this week. Maybe in the future, however. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you then. So long.